Well, he read received the word. I've been excited about it since I said amen last week. We live in an imperfect world. That's just where we live. We live in an imperfect world where bad things happen. Now, that wasn't God's plan. And don't blame God for why would you let this happen? Why would you let that happen? God wants to know the same thing. Why did you choose sin? Well, why did you eat the apple? Why did you do that? So God, this was not God's plan, but we live life in a fallen, imperfect world. Now, God didn't create us so that our life is governed by what happens. We're not under the control of what happens. If you have a great life or if you have a bad life, that's not decided by what happens because the fact is, we're all going to experience sickness, injury, disappointments, great losses. We all experience death, death of our loved ones, death of ourselves. But God created us in a way that you can choose a blessed life. You can choose a great life. Newsflash, you have control of your attitude. You have control of your attitude. And we're in an era today that is just given the steering wheel of their attitude over to whatever happens, and that could, couldn't be further from the truth. That's wrong. You can choose your attitude. Last week, the title of our message was Attitudes. I only got halfway through the teaching, so welcome you today to Attitudes Part 2. The question we're asking is what attitudes are you giving your life to in the midst of an imperfect world? And this is essential. This is essential that we get this because a great attitude equals a great life. We all experience hard things. We, we, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I do because everybody in the world is going through things. We, we all go through stuff. We all wanna win. The fact is, you don't win all the time. So what attitude will you be in when your team loses? What attitude will you choose when your company loses the bid on this big project? Okay, what will your attitude be? What will your attitude be when the candidate that you campaigned for, that you gave money to, that you worked hard, loses? Okay, now what attitude will you be in? Here's what you can write down, and you can write it down in ink. Life just does not always happen the way you planned it. Life doesn't always turn out like you wanted it to. We talked about this last week. When you give birth to a baby, when you bring a child into this world, you gave birth to a child in an imperfect world, and they won't always win. They will, in their life, experience wrongs bad calls, injustices, they will at some point be stolen from. They will have a boyfriend or a girlfriend break up with them. They will experience loss and hurt. They're gonna experience pains of life. We ask, well, is it worth being born? Absolutely it is, because you can learn to choose a good attitude and live a blessed life in the midst of an imperfect situation. Parents, we're talking to you specifically, it's essential, essential parents that you teach your children how to choose a good attitude. We here don't give every child a trophy. Some gonna win, some gonna lose. 
And that's life. Here's what you need to know. Every day of your life, we're not going to present you with a trophy. Your whole life. Some days you're going to win. Some days you're going to lose. And we want our children learning how to handle the life that we live in and choose a blessed life out of that. The most important scenario to me in the whole wide world is being on a teen bus driving home long hours in the middle of the night after a loss. And the coach driving the bus is teaching how to learn from that loss, benefit from that loss, how to have a good attitude about that loss, how to make that tougher in your own personal life. And next week, we're gonna come out of this thing and we'll be victorious. See, the most important lesson in life is to learn from those losses and benefit and gain from those. Every child gets a trophy, when's that gonna stop? Come on, last week we talked about Romans 12. Don't be conformed into this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Have the mind of Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but that scripture is not for Sunday morning when we're in here worshiping. Have the mind of Christ. Oh, we love you, Lord. Have the mind of Christ is Tuesday when you're wanting to punch this guy in the nose right now. That's when you have the mind of Christ. See, Romans 8, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. That's not for Sunday morning when we're worshiping. That's whenever you and your husband are in a knockdown drag out. Well, well, I got to get my mind controlled by the Spirit right now. See, Colossians chapter 3, set your mind on things above. That's not as you come in the door of the church and I got worship music playing and we got the lights dim and we got the haze machine on. And well, the, Set your mind on the things above is Thursday when that guy didn't show up and he promised you he would. See, that's when you set your, okay, right now, set my mind on the things above. In sports, those of us who follow sports, we've all seen teams get losing in their head and even when they're ahead going into the fourth quarter they'll figure out a way to lose the game they will blow the lead with a big lead they've got because they got losing in their head listen to my sermon stop right now some of you I can see you thinking about the Razorbacks I'm not talking about that I'm talking about a spiritual point here Let's think about what I'm talking about. Come on, keep our mind on spiritual things. We're not talking about a certain team. But you all see teams. They're going to fool around and blow the lead. Why? Because you got losing in your head. You know, a basketball player that comes out and misses the first four or five shots, he'll start fighting his head. In rodeo, there is a sport called team roping. That's what I do. And, and I've noticed over all the years that I have roped, if I come out and I rope the first two or three shoo, shoo, right in a row, I'm telling you, you can't believe how good I am. I can rope. Boy, I come out and I miss the first two or three. The fourth time, I rope myself. I rope my own horse. I about fall off. It just, it, it just goes from bad to worse to worse. And, and I have to get off. And it's like I've never even ridden a horse before in my whole life. See, it gets in your head. It gets in your head and it starts working on you. Let me tell you something about the big time athletes. 
whatever sport it is, the big time athletes are those that have learned not to let a missed shot get in their head. See, they can shake off that loss, they can shake off that miss and go out there and keep doing what they did to get to the point that they're in. All the time we've seen, oh, we've seen over and over again, those great quarterbacks, doesn't matter what the score is, doesn't matter how far behind they are going into the fourth quarter, they buck that chin strap on, they'll walk out there and shoop, 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 they're going to lead that team to victory in the fourth quarter. See, it's an attitude of life that they live in. And it's essential that you and I get a hold of taking every thought captive. The reason the Bible tells us to take every thought captive is because we can. You can take every thought captive and you can choose a biblical attitude about life regardless of what just happened around you, regardless of the score, regardless of the hurt or the pain or the difficulty that you're in, life didn't go like you planned right now, but you can still take every thought captive. Here's what I'm telling you. You will from time to time throw an interception. You didn't mean to, you didn't want to, wasn't what you planned, but you did anyway. You threw an interception, come on, dust yourself off and let's get right back out there. I can't let my loss get in my head. I've got to transform that thought into a, what the Bible says. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. See, I turned this loss, this hurt, this disappointment, I turned that off and I turn on. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. I can't let this hurt get in my I can't let this anger get in my head Romans 8 here's what I'm telling you what was meant for my destruction God will use this for my good I can't let this disappointment get in me the Bible says he who began a good work in me will finish it and that's what I'm going to think on right now you got to do this because all of your situations aren't perfect all of your circumstances aren't to your liking because we live in an imperfect world. Parents, this is highly controversial, and you know how I like to stay away from controversy of any kind. Don't even put your kids in a ball league that doesn't keep score and doesn't have winners and losers. Because here's what I'm telling you, their whole life, they're not going to get a trophy after every game. You, it's just not the way life works. You teach your child how to win, and you teach your child how to lose, and you teach them how to have a good attitude in winning and in losing, and you succeed regardless of what just happened or didn't happen. And you put your kids in a ball league that teaches those kind of lessons because that's what you have to have in life to succeed. My goodness, don't jerk your kid out of a classroom whenever your teacher is imperfect. When you've got an imperfect teacher, that's a great scenario, parent. For the next nine months, you teach them how to succeed working for an imperfect boss, working in an imperfect situation. They've got an imperfect teacher. She's a horrible teacher. She's a terrible teacher. Perfect, I got nine months to teach my child how to be a great success, a booming success in the midst of an imperfect situation. Come on. We're going to have to roll up our sleeves and parent our kids. It's a huge concern for me because I see 
our kids learning how to quit, learning how to move, learning how to leave, and expecting to get a trophy every time. These kids are growing up totally unprepared to succeed at real life and the way life works with imperfect people. Here's what I'm telling you. The only way to keep a marriage is for you to learn how to live happy and blessed with an imperfect person. The only way to how you keep a job is learn how to live blessed and successful working in an imperfect place with imperfect co-workers. I mean, whatever you want to bring up as a scenario, you learn how to be blessed and happy in the midst of an imperfect situation. We talked about this last week. Parents, you teach your kids how to get happy. You teach them how to get happy. Get yourself happy. What happened to parents telling that? No, we're not doing moving and leaving and jerking up and running. You get yourself happy. My favorite line is just get yourself happy in the same pants you got mad in. Here's the point. When we let our situation be in us, we're being conformed to the world around us. The last several messages Josh has taught, and especially lately in Galatians, talking about Jesus being in you. That's the Christian life, Jesus being in you. Now, Jesus is going to be in you or your situation is going to be in you. Which is it? Which is it? Is your hurt, your disappointment, well, you don't know what they did to me. Okay, I know that's in you right now. I know that's in you right now. And what you've got to do is choose Jesus to be in you and you act out of the Jesus that is in you. You don't act out of the hurt that is in you. We got to get a hold of this. Last week, we gave five attitudes. The attitude of gratitude. Got to be grateful. The attitude of compassion. We got to think about somebody besides ourselves for crying out loud. The attitude of confidence. The attitude of determination, the attitude of perseverance. If you missed part one, go back and hear those first five. We got to get going on the next five. Number six, the attitude of humility. Write down Luke 18, verse 9 through 14. I want you to study this this week. It's a story of two men that went to the temple to pray. And one of them began to pray, God, I thank you that I'm not like that one. I thank you I'm not like this one over here. Well, I've never done this. Well, I can tell you I've never done that. And begin to pray, God, I'm glad I'm better than these people. The other guy started to pray, and Jesus said he beat his chest. God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord, I'm a sinner. The Bible tells us pride goes before a fall. And life is just not all about you and how good you are. Oh, well, we've all been around that person that has to do all the talking, has to be the center of the conversation. And if you say one sentence, yeah, we went camping last week. We spent two days. They grabbed the conversation. Yeah, we went camping. We, sp- we stayed eight days. Yeah, we went up in a two-story building. Yeah, I went up in a 10-story building. Whatever you did, they've done it twice as much, 10 times as long, a whole lot better. Come on, you're thinking about that person right now. I know you are. You're putting a name with this conversation right now. Come on, if this is you, please stop your awareness out. We don't want to hear about how great you are. We're done hearing about, yes, I'm, well, I bought me a used car. Yeah, I bought two new ones last week. Come on, you know, life is about seeing your friends have fun. 
seeing your mate have a good time, seeing your co-worker succeed. You can't believe how happy you could be if you could get your thoughts off of yourself. You just can't believe it. If you could ever listen to someone talk and say, oh, that's good, without telling them how you did it big, bigger, better, more wonderful, taller, faster. You, you don't have to steal the conversation and turn it all about you. The Bible says don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. The mindset of the Christian life is not about yourself, but it's about others. And there are just certain attitudes that produce life, and there are certain attitudes that produce death. And the attitude of humility will bring life and peace to you. Number seven, the attitude of change, being open to change. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new, and the essence of the Christian life is about change. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you're born again, See, the whole, the whole Christian walk is putting off the old, putting on the new. The whole Christian life is about change, and change is something that's just very difficult for all of us. I've noticed over years the vast, vast, vast majority of people that have come for counsel because life is not working for them come into the office and do all of the talking. And you finally get one word in, and they immediately tell you why that won't work for them. Colossians, Ephesians, Romans, stop this, start that. Put this off, put this on. You, you, you start in to give a friend a little wisdom, and they interrupt you and tell you why that won't work. They already tried it. That won't work in their situation. That won't work. They can't, you can't, it won't work for me. You know, have an attitude that's willing to hear change. If you know a better way of doing it, I want to know that. I'm telling you, it's hard for me to be around people that interrupt me and tell me what I'm saying won't work. I've only done this 50 years. I know how this will work. I know how to make this money. Don't tell me, well, that won't work for me. Well, we can't hire these people. Well, that's funny to me. Other places got all kinds of people hired. Well, you know, you can't get those parts in. Well, that's funny to me. Other people are getting those parts in. See, don't interrupt me and tell me why what I'm telling you won't work when I've been doing it in my own life. Come on. You've got to have an attitude of change. God, change me. God, change me. God, change me. Here I am. Mold me into your image and change me. Don't tell God why it won't work, why that won't work for you. Have an attitude that's willing to make a change and listen when somebody's trying to tell you something. Number eight, an attitude of joy. Write this passage down. I want you to study this this week. John 15, verse 5 through 11. He talks about we are the branches and he is the vine and we abide, you know, like the trunk of a tree and the limb of a tree, we abide in him. And, and he talks about he abiding in us, us abiding in him. And then it ends by saying, your joy is full because my joy is in you. Now you gotta get this. 
Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Not my joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Psalm 1611, in your presence, O Lord, is the fullness of joy. Psalms 35, 9, my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. I rejoice in his salvation. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Thank you, Lord, for giving me another chance in life. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me the opportunity to be born again. See, I find joy in my salvation. Here's the point that we're making in these two lessons. Life in an imperfect world, you will always be in the midst of imperfect people and situations. School teachers, bosses, co-workers, imperfect weather, whatever you have planned, the weather won't be what you wanted it to be for what you planned. You'll be in the middle of hurt, pain, loss, disappointment, and we being always in the midst of imperfect so we quit looking for our situation to make us joyful. See, there's the problem. You're looking for your circumstance to make you joyful, and you're not happy right now, so you change circumstances. Let me change schools. Let me change jobs. Let me change mates. Let me change. See, I want my circumstance to make me joyful, and your circumstance won't ever make you joyful because we live in an imperfect world. That's why my joy comes from the Jesus that's in me. See, his joy is in you. Well, how can you be happy in the midst of what you're going through? Because my circumstances are not in me. Jesus is in me. You'll never, ever quit, move, change, and find joy. Because the next place you go is still imperfect. Parents, teach your children, you don't quit and leave to find joy. We find joy right here. We find joy right now. All people, everywhere is imperfect, so you choose to live life full of joy. How do you do that? His joy is in you. Get yourself happy today. Get yourself happy today. Number nine, the attitude of trust. Write down Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. Mark chapter 10, 13 through 15 the, the crowds were around Jesus, and, and, the, and the disciples were pushing the little kids back. Get, y'all, get, get back. Get those kids back. See, you, the, the adults, the important people come to Jesus. Get those children back. And Jesus said, hold on, ho, ho, ho. Let the little children come. Let the little children come to me. Then he said a real shocking statement. Sits down with these kids, and he said, as a matter of fact, unless y'all become like these. Okay, well, what is like a child? The standout in a child is their overwhelming, unbelievable trust. No three-year-old is worried about the next meal. They're not worried about the rent. They're not worried about the electric bill. They're not worried about the car payment. No two-year-old is worried. See, I watch a parent sit a kid up on his, here, jump, boy, here they come. Set them right back up. Here, jump, here they come. Let me tell you, you set me up and say, jump, I ain't jumping. But a kid is just so trusting. They're just so trusting. See, life is simple for a little child because they trust. Daddy's going to take care of it. He's going to see me through. Life in a fallen world can be full of fear for you. What if? What if? Deuteronomy 31 and Hebrews 13 
says, God will never leave me or forsake me. Do you trust that? Do you trust that? The Bible said, he who began a good work in me will finish it. Do you trust that? In the midst of what you're going through today, do you trust that? Psalms 37, God's children will never be out begging for bread. And no matter what happens to me financially, God is going to take care of me. I trust him. I choose today an attitude of trust. Bible tells me in 1 Thessalonians, my part is to work hard. 2 Thessalonians says to mind my own business. Get a job, mind your own business, and trust the Lord. There you go. That sermon doesn't draw big crowds, but it's what the Bible says. Number 10. Attitude of ownership. Attitude of ownership. I want you to write this down. John chapter 10 verse 11 through verse 15. And I want you to read that over and over and over and meditate it. Read it over and over and over to yourself. Jesus says, a hired hand, a hireling will run when the wolf comes. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. Jesus teaches that there is a huge difference in the attitude of being a hireling and the attitude of being an owner. It's a big difference in life. An owner has a different sense of protection that he walks in. Uh, An owner has a sense of personal responsibility. You're not gonna be very happy. You're not gonna be very blessed with a hireling mentality. It's not mine, it's not my job. I don't have a dog in that hunt. Years ago, we were getting ready for camp. And I sent three boys to take this boat and put it down there in the lake and park it in that boat slip. Well, a couple hours later, I drove by and I didn't see the boat down that boat slip. And I asked those boys, I said, I told y'all to put that boat in the boat. Oh, we did. We'll get in. Let's drove down there. And in that boat slip, the rope was as tight as it could be going off down in that water. And I walk up and look down in the water and you can get the outline of that boat sunk in that boat slip. So boys, did y'all put the plug in? You didn't tell us that. Fact is, this one boy says, you know, water started running in. We had to jump out of that boat, keep from getting our feet wet. See, I'm telling y'all, I have to work on my attitude all the time because I wanted to put those three boys right where that boat was. (laughs) See, there's a difference in an owner and a hireling. Do you see yourself taking ownership here? Do you see yourself taking ownership in life or are you just a hireling in life? There's a difference. You know, my dad told me he'd never buy me a car ever and he'd never buy me any tires for my car not ever and he said here's what I figured out rubber spins off a whole lot less on tires that you bought than somebody else bought for you and you know he is right in all of my life I've never burnt rubber I know how much, I knew how much it cost I burnt! you know I know what that transmission cost See, life is lived different when you've got an owner mentality. It's when you're just a hireling. 
An owner attitude in life will produce peace. It'll produce fulfillment. It'll produce a sense of joy. A hireling's attitude in life won't produce any of that. Let me tell you something. A hireling's attitude in life does a sloppy job. I send kids out to clean up an area, and I go back and don't look like they've even been. Y'all clean up? Oh, yeah. Y'all weed eat here? Oh, yeah. What weed did you eat? You send your kid to the room, clean up, and they're back there for a long time, and it looks worse than it did when you go. Come on. You got to live life with an owner's mentality. I want this to look good. I want to do a good job. I want to do a really... Matter of fact, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Write this verse down. Put it in your heart. It says, put your heart and soul into every activity. You do that as you are doing that activity unto the Lord himself. I don't work for anybody. I work for the Lord. I work for God. Now, God uses this person for a paycheck. God uses this company to funnel money to me through. God, you, but I'm, I don't work for somebody. I work for God. And God sees the job I do. God sees the effort I put forth. God sees how conscientious I am. I understand faithful in a little. Then God makes you rulers over much. I work for the Lord. Now, whoever your boss is, that's just somebody God's using to funnel money through you to you. But you live life with an owner's mentality. I work for the Lord. See, an owner's mentality roll up the windows and not just run in the house and let it rain in the car. See, an owner's mentality will pull the windows down when it starts raining. See, an owner's mentality lives life different than a hireling. Study that. Get that attitude in you. I want to have an owner's mentality about life, not just a hireling. Life is lived for all of us in an imperfect world, surrounded by imperfect people. And you got to choose every day a biblical attitude that you're going to walk in. Be grateful. Be compassionate. Have confidence. Have determination. Have perseverance. Have humility. Be open to change. Walk in joy. Walk in trust. Choose an attitude of ownership, not an attitude of a hireling. You got to quit looking for life in an imperfect world to make you happy, and you get yourself happy. How do you get yourself happy? By choosing Jesus in you instead of the hurt or the pain or the loss in you. Get yourself happy. The only way you can do that is have Jesus in you. Y'all stand. Lord, right now, we choose joy. In the midst of the imperfect situation, in the midst of the hurt or the pain or the loss or the disappointment that I came in here with, Lord, I choose joy. I allow you to be the center of my focus, and I take the center of my focus off of how mad I am at this person, how this person hurt me, how this person disappointed me, and today, Lord, I choose a biblical attitude to live my life in. Lord, help me not be conformed to this world, but be transformed as I renew my mind in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. Hey, keep a good attitude this week. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. 
For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.